Welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Sequel Q&A. My name's Doug. So, our first sequel that we're going to be covering for our Scary Sequel Month Part 3. Is this our third one or our fourth one? 19, 20, 21, 22. Our fourth one. Wow. And we're going to kick it off with uh, the Linda Blair is Back sequel that I've never seen before. So, I'm pretty excited. Exorcist 2. Electric Boogaloo. I'm excited for this one, but I'm more excited for you to listen to this week's interview with Bugs Are Business, the Hollywood bug wrangler of the 80s, 90s, 2000s, uh, Stephen Kutcher. Man, Stephen found us. He found us. He was watching Team Wolf 2, a scene that he worked on with the fleas when they're passing around him in class and putting them on Jason Bateman. And he wanted to watch the scene again, so he goes on YouTube, types in Team Wolf 2. Somehow, our review comes up. He watches it, gets to that part. Me and Jamie were doing funny stuff like we do. And so he reached out to me, and I said, man, I got to interview you. And he said, yes. So, yeah, it's unreal to talk to a guy that worked on so many amazing films and probably one of the greatest bug movies of all time, Arachnophobia. So it got a little bit behind the scenes on that. Exorcist 2, which was his first film. Jurassic Park. Friday Night Part 2, because if you've been listening to us for a while, actor Brian Thompson had a story about the bug guy that drove a bug. That was Steven. And uh, yeah, great stories. If you want to watch the video of it, uh, that'll be in the episode notes. So you could check it out. Or if you want to go on social media at sequels only, I'll have some clips of him showing me what you'll hear Rosie, uh, his, uh, tarantula that actually waved to me, which was kind of funny and kind of creepy the way it was like sort of looking in the camera and sort of looking at me. I was a little scared, but I'm okay. And you're going to love this chat. Oh my God. He was just so interesting that he was an etymologist. And then his professor recommends him to do a movie and it, it changes forever. And just to hear the behind the scenes on, how they do some of the bug tricks or how he does them. It's a lot of fun. So do me a favor before I start the interview, please subscribe to our podcast, like share us with all your friends, follow us on all social media at sequels only. And then when you're done with this, check out sequelsonly.com. We have a lot of cool stuff on there as well. Easier to find all the interviews and sequels that we cover, but uh, I'm going to shut my yapper and a man that for his career wore a, hat, a red hat that said bugs are my business. A hat that I want to buy. Uh, Hollywood bug wrangler, Stephen Kutcher. Enjoy. But to answer your question before I, we started recording, like why did we choose Team Wolf 2? Yes. So the format of this podcast, and because uh, there's a lot of podcasts, obviously, I'm sure you know, and we love movie review podcasts. This one in particular, How Did This Get Made? And we wanted to do one, but I wanted it to be super unique in the sense of not like we're saying anything different than other people do. I think we have a unique flair to like our banter, but we, I personally interview somebody that's worked on every sequel that we review. So for Team Wolf 2, I interviewed uh, Stuart Fratkin, who played Styles in the sequel. So that's why we covered that movie. I see. I yeah. see. I have a few props I can share with too that I brought in. Cool. Yeah. Show that. And then I want to talk about like the beginnings, but yeah. What props do you have? I'm excited. Well, do you want me to, are you going to do an intro of who an intro to who? Yes. I, I do that all beforehand. So like 
not now, but I do what before I put the interview out, I do like a whole little beginning right, like right. soliloquy thing about who you are, your background. Right. Yeah. So these are men in black glasses. I I consulted uh, and the beginning they didn't they did a cockroach scene in New York and they got somebody locally rather than flying me out. But Barry Sonnenfeld um, gave everybody an autographed copy of the script, which I have. Which That's is awesome. And they gave everybody these funky glasses. <laughs> and then I have, um, these are rubber grasshoppers from The Exorcist 2 that, uh, let's see, hold them up. I see them. That's awesome. Is that, that, is that your first movie that you ever worked on? Yes. Yes, That's The Exorcist 2. Cool. And then this is really cool. I think it's really cool because it's a box that has the original uh, spider that we used as a model for Spider-Man uh, and the little <sighs> platform that we used to spray the spiders. Yeah. So this was the original um, little model we used. And this is one of the rubber spiders from arachnophobia the models that they use so besides live yeah besides live spiders they had uh, the they made up a whole bunch of these rubber ones uh, and these little spiders over here were like stand in when we were practicing the webbing down oh so my god so those are some of the things um I love that. So when I talk to back to back and their buddies and they actually met on that movie, Stuart Pankin, who yes. plays the cop and Peter Jason, that was the first time they ever worked together. And from that, they formed a lifelong friendship to this day. But Pankin was telling me how everyone had to get like used to the spiders because they were very expensive. Yes. Yes, they were. They were shipped in from New Zealand. And one of my jobs in working with over 100 feature films and so many other projects is to work with the actors because they need to know what the spiders can do and can't do, which has given me great opportunities to work with the director and the top actors. And uh, one of the early, in the 1980s, I believe one of the early movies I actually was hired to work on Tarantulas Deadly Cargo, which was a TV. Tarantulas in coffee, the plane crashes, the tarantulas get out. And they hired me to work with the actress so that she wasn't too afraid of the spiders because they had a scene, you know, so I didn't have to do any bug wrangling all I had to do was work with the actress. Well, I'm a teacher and I have a lot of experience and, I'm, and I try to help people overcome their fears. So that was really perfect for me. Uh, but I did see something that was quite frightening on that movie. And the actress was supposedly necking with, with the male counterpart and on a blanket on a hill. And then she, she feels something and she goes oh i'm being tickled by him and then she goes ouch and she gets bitten and she rolls down the hill well usually they would have a stunt person do the rolling down the hill but they had her do it 
and she rolled and rolled off to the side and you could hear her head hit the tree that loud. It was frightening. So sometimes those things happen. They should have had a stunt person. Of course, yeah. And I'll tell you another thing that happened. On, okay. Uh, another scary thing that happened on um, The Exorcist 2. There's a scene when the house is going to collapse and they put a stunt person in, in the bed on the second story and the bed was supposed to slide and they had a restraining wire so it would stop. And this is where, um, what's her name? Who, who played the- Linda Blair? Linda Blair, yeah, I put grasshoppers on her face. So, <laughs> so the bed, she's supposed to be in the bed. This is a, lo- a long wide shot. The bed is sliding, the house is collapsing and the wire broke. This is in the middle of shooting and the bed goes off the second story and crashes down. And everybody, you know, you even though there was a lot of noise and things going on, there was this silence. Oh my uh, God. So those things happen every once in a while, but the person was okay. That's good. Because the spring of the bed, they landed in. (laughs) Well, Stephen, I'm sure you have so many stories, but like I mentioned, when we chatted a little bit earlier, like I love hearing how people started. So did you grow up in Manhattan? I was born in Manhattan. New York. Nice. Lived in the Bronx for the first five years of my life. And I'd wonder what is the nature connection there? Because they're, even though my parents took me to the Bronx Zoo. And, Love that place. Yeah. Yes. And um, things like that. Every summer we sent, we spent the summer in the Catskill Mountains. <gasps> nice. And in the Catskill Mountains, there are wild strawberries, wild blueberries, uh, fireflies, snakes fish and my grandmother would cook she was an amazing person so she would go out and pick wild strawberries and blueberries so i had all those adventures every summer for the first five summers of my life wow and one of the turn-ons for me was was collecting fireflies putting them in a jar and that just lit something so that as a young child when we moved to california I knew I wanted to do something with insects. In fact, I always kept insects in my room. So people have lots of stories. Some people wouldn't go in my room, my bedroom. You know, Stevie has bugs in his room. So everybody knew that. So ever since a small child, and then when I became old enough to understand what an entomologist was, I wanted a job where I'd be indoors and outdoors. It was the perfect job, an entomologist. You get to work in the laboratory, be a scientist, and you get to go out and collect insects. Wow. So how, how does Exorcist 2 happen? Like, how does that, did you have that any inkling ever? Like, I'm going to do this on a movie set? No, I, I had a background in comedy. And on KUSC, really? yes, in KUSC, I heard these two guys, Stein and Isles, uh, on the radio who went on to win Emmys and write for a lot of TV shows. But in those days, in the early 70s, uh, we actually had, uh, what's his first name, who, uh, Shearer, Harry Shearer. We actually had Harry Shearer on our show. And wow. He was of our show. And it was a comedy talk show. 
and I worked out a segment. I just came in. They were supposed to have a prostitute who was supposed to come in, and she never <laughs> showed up. I had never seen a prostitute before, so I showed up, and they said, what do you do? And I said, I'm an entomologist. And they said, oh, you talk to bugs. I said, no, I'm an entomologist. I study them. And um, from that time, I went home and I created this little segment where I would play bug songs, number one on the Bug Boss 40, like Fly Me to the Moon or something like that. <laughs> and, um, I did the bug weather report. I'd read from the scientific report, reports of what's happening with insects around the nation. I'd say there are army worms at this, you know, in Clark County, and then they'd make fun. Their job was, I was the straight man. I would just yeah. the news and, in, and, um, and then I, um, I would do some other things and answer bug questions. It was a lot of fun. And when I was working on my master's degree at Long Beach State, my major professor knew I did that kind of thing. Okay. I did, I did stuff outside science. And he got contacted by one of his former students who said, they're shipping in 10,000 African locusts for this movie and they need somebody to take care of it. So he thought of me, he said, um, uh, you could take care of 10,000 African locusts because he knew I could do that kind of yeah. thing. It turned out it was only 3,000, but still a lot of grasshoppers. And I, they, they built these big cages and we had 80 flats of ryegrass. So every day I have to go in the cage with these flats of ryegrass <laughs> and they'd mow it down. People would look at me and, um, and then I, it was so much fun. I worked on it for six months. Wow. And I got to work with James Earl Jones and, and Richard Burton and Linda Blair. It was just, you know, I was awestruck because I'd watched I'd watch uh, them on TV. And there I am <laughs> removing grasshoppers from Richard Burton's crotch. <laughs> so it was. And at that time, this is another short story. Uh, I was a fan of I really didn't know who Clint Eastwood was. It was in the early days. It was 76, 77. Um, but, uh, but he was on the set. So all these people would come on the set and famous people would come on the set because we had these African scenes. Well, I was in a position where I saw Cindy Lauper and my choice of Cindy Lauper or Clint Eastwood. I could go up and talk to him because I'm part of the crew and I could, they're there. And I went back and forth. I wanted to talk to them both, but I ended up having a nice little conversation with Cindy Lauper. Nice. And later on, I had two misses with Clint Eastwood. I can't remember the first one, but the second one was Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. I did a demonstration of flies flying around my face. And Clint Eastwood said, see if we can get that guy to come over and play the part. They were filming in Florida, I believe, and I turned it down. Oh. And the reason I turned it down was I had a chance to make a lot of money in New York working on TV show Now and Again. And it was the, the only time I really made big, the second time I only made big Hollywood money. Wow. So so I, I said, do I go for the money or do I go for the 
you know, getting this part. And I decided to go for the money. Yeah, that's smart. Man, I love that movie. There's probably so many movies that you worked on that aren't on your IMDb. Like one of the ones that I found that, like I looked at a Wikipedia page, which again, they're not 100% accurate. But one on there that really caught my eye was, uh, did you work on Nightmare on Elm Street? Yes, I think it was number three. The third one, yeah. Yeah, so I think I did. I flew some dragonflies. I had to color some dragonflies and flew some dragonflies for that. <laughs> but but that, you know, that brings up an interesting point. People think when their credits run, everybody's in the credits. Lots of people are not in the credits and sometimes famous people. So that's why my IMDb is very sparse. But I've worked on over 100 feature films plus wow. numerous other projects. So to, to go on, to piggyback that. So after Exorcist 2, you're there for six months. Cindy yeah. Lauper. Uh, yeah. How quick after that does, does you doing that get you another job like right away? Right. Uh, Tony Curtis was there one day. Oh, it man. kind of amazing. That's so cool that that movie, because sequels weren't a thing back then then really it was like very rare that a movie would be a sequel and yeah that's pretty cool that all these people are just hanging out and that was that movie was really panned a lot of people panned it but i say the grasshoppers look good Um, (laughs) the grasshoppers that i did look good yeah Uh, so i thought okay that's the end of that adventure and then the assistant director his next job was working with Linda Carter on Wonder Woman, the TV show, and they needed the bad guys had were going to sabotage a plant with lots of ants, and he needed they needed somebody to get ants. So, of course, he knew who I was. He called me up and told me about it, and um, I went out and got some ants. Uh, that was a big job. Because the scene was, the, the name of the show is Formicida, which is actually the scientific name for ants. And the scene is this envelope gets delivered on the desk, and then thousands of ants pour out. Well, anybody could put the, the envelope down, but not everybody could figure out how to make the ants come out. And then the other big problem is, how do you collect them? Yeah. You know? <laughs> And that's what happens over and over again. I mean, when I work with cockroaches, I'm controlling the cockroaches so they're not running all over the place and underneath the refrigerator. People don't realize that. They just, it's a big job. Um, even if you're working with one cockroach on the kit, kitchen set, if yeah. that cockroach gets you know, down in the drawers or something, you're spending production time trying to retrieve <laughs> the cockroach. You don't want to do that. So I'm pretty good at corralling and making sure that doesn't happen. So how do you do that? So so for like the the Wonder Woman one, they say, hey, this is what we need done. You talk to the director and they say, this is what the scene's going to look like. Do you practice that or did you already know, have a plan for it? Or is each time a different scenario for you? So my advantage over dog and cat trainers who will also do bug stuff is yeah. that I'm a trained entomologist and I learned how to do techniques. I learned how to put insects to sleep with carbon dioxide. I learned what to put on walls to prevent insects from coming up so you can't see them. In that case, I had a barrier 
around on the floor. And we had developed, my friend and I had developed vacuum cleaners, well, one we called the anteater, that was a, a, a modified vacuum cleaner so we can suck up the ants <laughs> without hurting them. Because you have American Humane there and stuff like that. So we could suck up the ants, wouldn't hurt the ants, and we could do a second shot. In the case of cockroaches on a table where I've had to do, I'll run um, copper, copper ribbons around the base of, of it and um, a base of the table, just underneath the table, we don't see it. So the cockroach starts to crawl underneath the table, gets shocked and comes back. Ah. So, That's amazing. So I know, and I have pages of, of things I know how to do with different insects so that they don't fly away. They do things um, like that. Did you work on Joe's apartment? No, Ray Mendez did that. Oh, okay. I get asked about that, and I also get asked about uh, Indiana Jones. I didn't do that one either. <laughs> is there, a, before we talk about like other movies and stuff, is there like a favorite one to work with? Is there like a particular insect that's easiest for you to handle? Well, I, um, I love all insects. I'm sure. Uh, um, it's really a lot of figuring out. Now they do it with CGI. Um, and that's why I don't work so much. But uh, I, it's figuring out what you're going to do with a shot. Now, a lot of times, I can only figure out so much. Because with insects, it really depends on lighting. Oh, and no. I don't know how it's going to be lit. So one thing, I, if I'm working with butterflies, for example, I have to tell them, you need to put screens in front of the lights because the butterflies will fly to the lights. And if the screens are not there, they'll fly right in the lights and incinerate just like that. So it's really having a lot of that knowledge. And I, it's the behind the scenes consulting. It isn't just working with the bug. So I have to figure out, are there any cracks or crevices? Are there, are there openings to outdoor light? You know, if I was shooting outdoors or indoors, what is the temperature? What is the wind condition? There are all these things. So one of my little um, things I learned to do, rather than carrying a thermometer, I look at the crew. If the crew is in t-shirts, that's good. That's good for filming. If, if they're calling me in at seven o'clock in the morning and everybody's bundled up in jackets, then that's not so good for flying butterflies. But I have workarounds. So um, I had in, um, let's see, it was a movie with Bette Midler where she plays a witch. It was called- Hocus um, Pocus? Hocus Pocus. I worked on Hocus Pocus and I did two shots in there. One with the mummy when the, or the-, the, the uh, Billy, Doug Jones. When he cut, yes. When Billy comes out of the graveyard, his mouth is stitched up and he cuts it and then he coughs and moths fly out. Oh, that's awesome. So what we did was we put an insert in his mouth. The top, the bottom level was Fuller's earth. That's the dust you see coming out. The top level, I stacked 
um, cabbage butterflies, one on top of another at the top part. And then I told them to set up the lights so it was lighted equally. So it wasn't, the lights weren't on one side or the other, bright, brightest lights, it was all equal. Because I knew when, and I did the demonstration of butterfly flying out of my mouth so they could see how it would work. Yeah. That I knew when they flew out and they shot it at night. So I knew that they would be confused with all the lights. So they wouldn't just they go out, fly off in one direction. They would be confused and fly around in front. So you'll get a little more screen time. So that's how we, <laughs> that's how we did that shot. Oh man, that's great. So did you have that same moment after doing Wonder Woman? Like after that, did you think like, okay, well, those two times were fun or yeah, did it just, that's what it did? Yeah. I said, that's it. And then what happened is my name got out there and I started doing some commercials. I did some great commercials for Hewlett Packard, touchscreen computers in the 1980s. They never took off. So touchscreen never took off, but I did these early ones, the caterpillar crawling across the keyboard. I did a butterfly flying across the logo, stuff like that. But then I did something. I did something that most people wouldn't do. And that's what makes me different, I guess. I watched movies. Well, everybody watches movies. Well, a lot of people. But I kept a journal and I counted how many movies had insects in them or, or an insect related thing. And I discovered that one out of every three movies had an insect or an insect related thing in it. Because most people aren't going to be pay attention to a fly on somebody's cheek or, or a cockroach running across. So just go, okay, that was there. They might think somebody did that or not do that. <laughs> which sometimes happens. But uh, when I, once I discovered that one out of three, because I was heading to get a PhD, uh, I said, well, now what am I going to do? Because I had put so much time into school, I said, well, if I work in Hollywood, I can make money that I couldn't make as an environmentalist or a teacher, but it would give me the opportunity, it would pay for my environmental habits and, my, and I could teach, to show you the difference, I could work on a four-day commercial, three days of prep, one day of shoot, and I'd make as much money as I did teaching all year long my one class. Uh, especially back then, commercials paid really good back then. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And I even had a couple of directors saying, you're making a lot more money than I am. <laughs> <laughs> but... But let me tell you, if you're shooting a commercial and you need flies and it's wintertime and there's snow on the ground, you know, where are you going to get them? So it's somebody like me. And in fact, I used to get this call maybe four or five times a year. Uh, it's wintertime. There's snow on the ground on the East Coast and they want to shoot a springtime commercial with fireflies. So... Now everything's done CGI. But when I realized that, I was working on a commercial and the hand model, because they, they had a guy for his hands. You know, sometimes if there's a hamburger on a plate, 
and you have a big hand, it makes the hamburger look small. Yeah. You have somebody with a little hand come in. And he said, why don't you put yourself in 411? It's a free listing. So I put myself in as, you know, I only, I, I didn't say I only, but I put in as insects and spiders, arachnids. I do things like that. And I started getting calls. And then in 1990, I did arachnophobia and the world changed. I don't know if it was Frank Marshall or Steven Spielberg, but they said, we're going to make you famous. Probably Frank Marshall. And from the 1990s, after I did arachnophobia, because my name was on the credits, a lot of people knew who I was, and I did this amazing thing. I mean, that movie was really, yes, they had good acting in it, but that was really my movie. Yeah. They don't talk about it that much, but all those spider scenes, except for the tarantula scenes that Jules Sylvester did, I had to figure out how to do it. Um, and it was a whole other level than most movies have. So um, uh, that was probably, then I started doing all kinds of other movies. It was just one right after another. And not only movies, commercials, music videos. So I did a lot. So that was like your like turning point, like that movie, because even from that, did you do any late night shows or is it just being on like Larry Sanders as like a. Well, I did. Um, I did the tonight show when I did arachnophobia, they put me on all kinds of interviews all over the United States. Oh, nice. I was in Tampa, Florida in a hotel room and I did 19 radio interviews from, the, <laughs> from that room. <laughs> no, but Larry Sanders, I think is I, I love that show. I'm a huge Love Gary Shandling. And that one that you're on, they won an Emmy for that episode. Yeah, well, I think it was nominated for an Emmy. I don't oh, know. Oh, nominated. Yeah. But I'll tell you some how I got that job. I and this this happens in these, you know, in these movies. So they were going to get Joan Embry. The scene was they had a, a container of spiders. Uh um, Gary Shandling gets um, uh, gets startled and throws the whole container up in the air. And I said, uh, you can't do that. And I said, you don't need, <laughs> just, just came out. I said, you know, you don't need Joan Embry. You need me. And so <clears throat> they hired me both as a consultant <laughs> and an actor on the show. <laughs> It just was mind-blowing for me because here I am working with Carol Burnett and Gary Shanling and other people were on the set. Um, I just, I was just blown away. In fact, behind the scenes when they're all taking pictures, which I could have been part of, I was just, I was just aghast at the whole thing. I bet. <laughs> but I, I told them how to do it and, and everyone was professional. And the little scene I have with who played his sidekick with uh, Jeffrey Tambor, Hank Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah. yeah, he was he ran lines with me. He was such a nice man. Um, we did that take in one take. Nice. And I was so nervous. I said, how do people remember all this stuff? I had lines. It, 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 it went. And um, yeah, I, I was so pleased with that. Uh, 
And that was the show that really kicked off their series. Oh, yeah. That was the third episode of the first season. Yeah. I totally agree with that. So arachnophobia was a big turning point. And then from there, you're you're probably getting so many different types of movies because that's when movie making. Obviously, the 80s was like the the VHS boom because they needed to fill up video stores. So a lot of movies were made. But just looking at the movies that you worked on, like The Vanishing is yeah. kind of like a different movie, but like working on Jurassic Park. Yes, the vanishing was interesting. Actually, I um, there's one other movie I can't think of the name of it. I'm not sure it was. No, it couldn't have been the vanishing. I because I, I had to bring scorpions to Canada. I mean, sometimes that's the. In those days, you could put bugs in your suitcase and be fine and walk on. Yeah. But not today. No. In today's world, and I got permits to bring scorpions up to British Columbia for this movie. I can't remember the name of it. And um, I went through, I had all the paperwork. I said, I'm, here are scorpions, they're live scorpions, I'm bringing them in for a movie. And the female inspector just freaked out. And so we had to work it through so I could bring them in. But in the vanishing i had to bring spiders to washington was shot in washington and in there's a scene where he opens up the ice chest and there are a bunch of spiders in there and um that's you'll help me out with names because you're um he was uh uh very oh, famous actor. uh jeff uh yes name i'm looking yeah. it up i'm cheating i'm not gonna lie uh jeff bridges jeff bridges yeah. Very nice man. So, you know, when I work with these, I have to tell them, one, are they dangerous? And I'll have a Spider-Man story about that. Are they dangerous? Are they, you know, what do I need to do? What happens if a spider gets on me? So I have to go through all that stuff. So I had a really nice time with him. He was really nice. Um, but I forgot the question you asked. Uh, uh, that oh, no, I was just talking about like from that point, because I think everybody oh, I talk to, whether they're in the front of the camera or behind, there's like that turning point that it changes. And obviously Frank Marshall and Spielberg, which again, you worked with Spielberg again, a couple of years later in Jurassic Park. It's just like good to have that. You have that moment, especially that movie. It's a movie about spiders. Obviously a spider that's so tiny can harm you in, in some, you know, countries, yeah. some type of spiders. So we ha- we had that conversation. I mean, there were a number of numerous conversations because I got this, the original script. I mean, there were a number of versions. And some of the things I said in the meetings, like I said, I call myself a small game hunter. Well, they used that. In, in, and they also, one of the nice things Frank did was he put me in as a cameo. So in the laboratory scene, when... Julian Sands doesn't want to go to the town and wants to send his assistant. Yeah. And they find he's playing football. Well, I'm in the background working on a microscope. So that's cool. They paid me $40 to do that. No speaking <laughs> line. But because I'm I'm knowledgeable, I'm educated, I know how to work with people, the level of fear goes down quickly. And I work with them so they're comfortable. And then they're not even thinking about it. Yeah. That happens over and over again. In Jurassic Park, they said they want 
a mosquito in amber? Well, mosquitoes are small. And I know that, you know, they could use a lens to magnify it. So my first job was when I got that was to find out what are the largest mosquitoes in the United States. And I found out there's one in Florida. So, um, and they use that in the scene where you see a mosquito on the bark of a tree and it looks like sap, which was really honey coming yeah. down. And then it's too bad they don't show the whole thing because the mosquito tumbled in the honey. It was really great, but they don't show that. <laughs> then it cuts to animation. Then in the amber, mosquitoes are too small. So I used crane flies, which are about this big. And that is what is in amber. And in fact, I took that crane fly when they don't feed as adults. And I took an insect pin and bent it. And that's the mouth part. And then I put on plastic wings so that the wings were larger. And then we embedded it in acrylic, colored acrylic. And that's what that, that uh, amber mosquito is. That's awesome. So it's so great. You're like, let me do this research. And then you have to go to whoever and say, okay, well, I need a flight to Florida in order to, to get this mosquito. That's the largest one. That's great. Well, I have connections because I'm an entomologist. I can call up different experts. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and so that so sometimes I get things that I need because they know that I'm going to do it without harming the environment or anything, and they know that I, I know how to handle it, and I know how to talk about it. That's why I could have gotten fleas for Teen, two, teen Wolf 2. Teen Wolf 2, yeah. I could have gotten real fleas, but I didn't want to release fleas um, on a set. So that's when I came up with the idea of using um, forward flies, little flies that hop around and look like fleas. <laughs> that's great. And then while we're talking, while we're going back a little bit. So when I interviewed uh, Brian Thompson, who worked with you in Fright Night 2, he was talking about how many bug people would work on a movie? It would just have been you, right? Or do you have assistants on movies? I've had three assistants in my career. Uh, my first assistant, Michelle, we would just talk about what a, and she was, she really, she was like a, uh, an assistant teacher and so she really didn't have any background in bugs, but she loved them and she could yeah. work with them. And um, so when I met her on a set of a movie, I realized I could use some help. And we worked together for lots of years, traveling around the United States. And it was just like, it was just like heaven because they'd have limos pick us up and and we were paid good salary. And I got to go out and collect bugs and speak to other so for me, so we we talk about that. And then the industry just died at some point. I forget when that was. And eventually I started getting more calls and I, I knew a woman who was planning to go on and get higher degrees in entomology, Kat Halsey and Kat and I worked for a brief period of time. And then uh, around the time of Ant-Man, then uh, Diana Terranova, 
who is all over the internet and works as an actress. Oh, wow. Uh, she, she was filming this movie. She was making her own movie, which she never released. And uh, there were going to be a lot of sexy ladies in this movie. And so I really didn't want to do it. But I thought, well, it might be an interesting experience. So I worked <laughs> with her. And then she realized what I did and what, how many movies I've worked on. So she really wanted to learn about insects. So she started being, so she started being my assistant. And uh, now I turn, a, I turn a lot of stuff over to her uh, and she knows how to do a lot of things. So, and then she, she learned a lot from me. And one of the things she learned was if you're going on a set with a tarantula, people will be frightened at first and I find it I become a, a a babe magnet when I come on the set because I'll come on and people at first will stay away they know there's bugs at the table and within 15 minutes I have women coming over just oh, I bet. women come over so I taught her this I said at the end of the commercial or something you're working yeah, you can tell them they can have their picture taken with a tarantula. So they'll line up. I mean, it happens all the time. They want to have their picture taken with a tarantula on their shoulder. So that's something we just, you know, that I taught her how to do. That's great. No, uh, the, so Brian Thompson said that the bug guy, which would have been you, did you drive a Volkswagen bug? Oh, yes. Yes. I had a, I had a Volkswagen bug with mating milkweed bugs painted on the back because that's what I did my master's on was milkweed bugs. So I decided to do that. And I did that job by myself, which was difficult because um, in the scene, uh, Dracula's assistant eats bugs and they had a, a, a beautiful mannequin that looked just like him with rubber stomach. And I, and they had, I think four, five guys controlling a mannequin because he collapses and his stomach opens up and thousands of bugs we did this live and i told the director you have five minutes no more five minutes because all those bugs in the tube create heat and it could kill the bugs and i had a plunger so the first time we did it the stomach just went out like a pregnant woman's stomach <laughs> and it went like that and they didn't come out so so we had a re Reset. We reset because there were the guys doing the puppeting and me and we're down below. I filled up this tube with bugs second time and just poured out and, I, and they played the sound. And I think I think that's one of the best scenes I've ever done. Oh, it's great. It's so cool. Brian did say like before they did that because they were showing him yes. with bugs on him for a little bit. And yeah. then they did the cut to like the, the puppet, the mannequin of him. But yeah. he was like, yeah, it was a long day for me. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was a, a fun, that was fun for me. Uh, Prince of Darkness, when I worked with John Carpenter. Oh, yeah. Three people I've worked with who played piano on set. Stevie Wonder, uh, John Carpenter, and who played um, Dracula's assistant and Dracula Francis Ford Coppola? He's a he's he's a singer. Keanu Reeves? No, no, no. 
a lot of people I just automatic, automatically know who he was. I'm just blocking on his name, who's a wonderful person. He, um, and Francis- Oh, Ford Gary Oldman? No. Um, Winona Ryder, Anthony Hopkins? No, 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 no. I, but I did work, Anthony Hopkins was on the set and we, we had a nice conversation. Um, I'll think of it and I'll, I'll let you know, but he, okay. he eats a bug and he wears uh, really thick glasses. Tom Waits. Tom oh Waits. yeah, okay, yeah. So Tom Waits played the piano on the set. So those three, it's kind of interesting. You're there making this movie, there's a piano and they're and they, every, between takes, they'll play the piano. I don't know if you were you were aware of this, but I don't know if you how you got the job for Friday Night Part Two or which one filmed first between that and I guess Prince of Darkness was the year before. But they're good buddies. They were all in a band together: Tommy Lee Wallace, the director of Friday Night Part Two, and John Carpenter, and then Nick Castle, who directed a bunch of stuff. And they all started on Halloween. They were in a band, and then they did the Halloween movie, and then they all did their own. Hollywood journey, but they're all bandmates. I didn't know that. Yeah, Boy, Tom, you're like Tommy. Yeah, you're like encyclopedic. I have a good memory, but no, I love Friday Night Part Two. There's a great documentary on Friday Night and Friday Night Part Two because Part Two it got kind of shelved. It got a bad release, so not a lot it, of people. I thought it was a good movie. I love that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. And. um uh, also, I'll bring up his name. Who played the detective in Fright Night Part Two? The oh, the TV show. Oh, the- uh, oh, one of my favorites. Uh, P- yeah. uh, he plays Peter Vincent. I can't think of his name. Yes. yes. Roddy so, McDowell. Roddy McDowell. Roddy McDowell. Yeah. So I, I've worked with Roddy McDowell a few times, and um, I didn't interact with him on that movie. But he was later in a movie called um, uh, We Shot Up in San Francisco, where I had to fly a wasp into his mouth. And that was really an interesting experience. And when you work with professional actors, they, uh, they, you know, they get paid good money. They could say, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. But um, the scariest part about that was, I put a toothpick in his mouth and ran um, uh, monofilament in, and and as he's talking, the wasp flew in his mouth. I had to cut the stinger first so that he wouldn't sting. And before I did that, and I didn't know this would work or not, I I had to try it out myself because I always I never will do anything on an actor unless I do it on myself first. That's great. So I don't know if you know what it's like being stung on your tongue with a wasp. No. Probably no. most people would say, not today. And um, so you don't necessarily have to be stung. If venom comes out and hits your tongue, it's just like being stung. So I clipped the stinger so it was shortened. So it, it still was in there, but it couldn't. It works like this. So the stinger comes out this far. But if you clip it right here, it goes like this and, and you don't get stung. So I rinsed it off. I put it in my mouth. The wasp just kind of walked around my tongue. I said, okay, 
I can do this. And uh, then we did it with Roddy McDowell. That was uh, that was a little adventurous. Oh man! So it's so crazy just how what goes into these scenes. Well, it's, it's like so many parts of movie making. You know, it doesn't take obviously ninety minutes to make a movie. It takes so many. It could take ninety minutes just to get set up for like a, a, something like what you did. So that's insane. Do you work with the same bugs? Like, is, like the bugs that are behind you? That's for research now. But like when you were doing a movie, like if you had tarant, did you have like a go-to tarantula that you'd use for years? Oh yeah. Well, there are different tarantulas. They have different behaviors. You have to learn them. Okay. I can take one out later if you want, but I wanted to say the wasp, the same kind of wasp that I flew into Roddy McDowell's mouth, I used in the music video for Michael Jackson called Midnight in Moscow. Midnight in Moscow is on YouTube and you can, um, it's in black and white and it was shot in slow-mo. So the wasp is barely flapping its wings. And I put it on a monofilament. They had a high speed camera and then I just moved it through with its wings flapping through the camera. But it's a great shot. Uh, It's a good music video. That's awesome. Oh man, no, because I, I wonder because you have to like like you said, like they they all have different behaviors. So you have to see what the director wants or what the script's called for in order to choose the you know the right species. Not only the right species, you could have a, a thousand ants or spiders in Spider-Man, the original Spider-Man. Michelle worked with me on that one, and she had uh, a number of painted spiders. So um, I had her test, in fact, I have one of the original brushes from Spider-Man, and I had uh, two brushes I used. One had red on it, and the other one had blue on it. And so what I would do is have the spider walk across to the end, and then I would tap it like this, and the, sp- the spider would web down. And I was up on a six-foot ladder. Well, Michelle... Uh, would pick out the spider to make sure it was webbing down because some spiders won't web down. So we don't, you don't want to spend production time going through, oh, that one doesn't work. So now let me pick another one. So she's doing that job. She's picking out the spiders that will work. She hands me the spider. I put it on the brush. I get in position. Toby McGuire's down. I aim for his hand. That was difficult because I'm, I had to make the spider land right on his. Yeah. It's in the right spot. And I'm up on a six foot ladder higher so you don't see me. And the spider comes down. And then they shot a second part where the camera was looking up. And I did the same thing so they could, they, you could see the spider coming towards the camera. Oh, man. That is, that's got to be some pressure, too, trying to, when you, when you have somebody else that you're, or something like the spider that you're training to try to get it as quick as possible, but that's going to be so difficult. Well, you're paying, you know, you're on a, you're on a sound stage with all these people they're paying. So I, you know, I try to keep production time. I don't want to do a hundred takes. Yeah. No, I try to keep it um, really tight and I do all my planning first. I learned that from Roger Corman, Roger Corman. 
Uh, you worked with Roger Corman? I didn't work with him, but I worked at the studios with his people. Okay. And he said, how can you make a feature film in five days? And he said, we do all our planning ahead of time. And we don't do 15 takes. They do one take and they move on. <laughs> that's how Clint Eastwood works. I helped an actor yeah. write his memoirs. And that's what Clint did. If Clint liked his take and he thought the actors that were in the scene were good enough, even when he wasn't directing, like on Escape from Alcatraz, he'd be like, okay, we're good. Move on. Like he would, well, he would call that. I, I've missed my chance with, I wanted, he was high on my list to meet um, because I wanted to tell him on The Exorcist 2, when I was working, I heard Richard Burton being interviewed and Richard about Clint Eastwood. And Richard Burton said, oh, what a great actor. And I didn't know who Clint Eastwood really was. So I wanted to tell Clint Eastwood that story of how that was the first time I heard it. Not I, uh, Josie Wales, I think he's done some great, great movies. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily agree with him politically, but uh, as a movie maker, as a in music, uh, I'd really like to meet him. Yeah, no, totally. And then, no, I love that you mentioned the Roger Corman because I've interviewed a uh, few people that like came from his teachings, like this guy, Jim Wynorski. Another guy shoots movies in like a week. Same yeah. thing. Would they do one take, two takes tops? And you could tell when you watch it, but who cares? You know, that's not why you're watching a, a, a Roger Corman made movie. You're watching it for whether it's like one of those science fiction ones he did in the you know early days or like those silly comedies that he would do too. Well, the um, I wish I could think of the name of the movie that that uh, I know I did Barbarian Queen too, but it isn't that movie. It's um, another movie. It's Outer Space, and they had this woman, very well endowed woman. Uh, scantily clad, she had hardly had anything on, and the director said, I want you to have a tarantula crawl from her ankle up to her chest. Then she's going to take the evil Bible and she's going to smash the, the spider. And then and I, and I'll tell you what happened at the end. So he said, how are you going to make the, the spider crawl from her ankle to her chest? And she was very well endowed. I said, oh, it's easy because spiders like to walk uphill. And we did it in one take. <laughs> up her ankle, up her thigh, across her stomach, up to her, up to her chest. And then she takes it in. And of course, we remove the live spider. And they put in a spider that oozed, um, that oozed uh, material like soap and, set, and had blinking lights. And so her line is, she smashes the spider and she says, damn, I hate robot spiders. <laughs> that's the line. That's amazing. And although she was beautiful, her acting was not, not particularly good. <laughs> but the fact that I did the spider scene, and I have a picture of her with her on my wall. I have a, pic, I have a wall of celebrities, lots of oh, people, cool. Robin Williams. I worked with her in the movie Jack. and Oh, yeah, Jack. That's Who directed that one? That was another... Francis Coppola. Oh, yeah. That was one of his... Was that his last movie? No, no. That was an okay. early movie. We shot that in San Francisco. I'll get back to that. But when I was 15 years old, 
you're talking to one of the few people who walked away from having their picture taken with Marilyn Monroe. And that was in Reno when they were shooting the Misfits. We were on a family vacation. I was an immature 15 year old and uh, my father and I didn't get along. My father set up to have a picture taken my sister's four years younger with Arthur Miller. So that picture oh, was yeah. And then I was supposed to have my picture taken with Marilyn Monroe. Well, because my father set it up, I walked on it. What a mistake. What a mistake. That's one of the two mistakes I made in my life. I'll get back to that, but I'll tell you the other mistake. When the Beatles, I was ushering at the Hollywood Bowl the first time the Beatles came to the US, I said, it's going to be too noisy. I'm not going to go. It's a second mistake. But, but getting back to Marilyn, I vowed then when I started working in the movie business that I would, I would not walk away and I would try to get as many celebrity pictures with celebrities I have. So I have a wall of celebrities with lots of people, Sigourney Weaver, Denzel Washington, lots of Steve Irwin, lots of people on that wall. And that's to remind me never to do that again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can tell that story and then they'll be like, okay, yeah, let's take this photo now. So you don't have to <laughs> have that moment. So you, so with those spiders and everything and, and the insects behind you, do you give them like each day? Do you take them out or how does it? I have to feed them. My insect zoo is rather small now. Like I have 10 tarantulas. Um, that's generally small. Yeah. Because I have to, even though they don't have to be fed every day, um, it takes time. And I also paint with insects. So I want to spend time with my art. I also write. I want to spend time with that. I do science. I want to spend time with that. And then there's all the practical stuff you have to do. Of course. So, yeah. so I don't want, um, so Diana has a lot of things. Right now I'm raising monarch caterpillars and butterflies. And um, uh, I'm doing some experiments. Like one of the experiments I'm doing is if you ask somebody, what does a caterpillar eat? They'll say leaves and say, yes, they do. But do you realize they're also eating insects, which makes them an omnivore? So they'll eat eggs and insects that don't move. And so I'm documenting that. That's one of the things I'm working on. Oh, wow. That's pretty neat. That's really cool that you do that. You do that right near. You have like a lab in your house, or I have a butterfly garden around my house. Oh, so cool. outside my house, I can, I can do that. Um, yeah, I love nature. I go hiking in nature, and I live a half a mile from the mountains, so it's a, I can do that. Yeah, we're out in like West Jersey. It's like totally different from where I grew up. Like, just Jersey's not that really. It's not a big state. But in central Jersey, it wasn't as much like birds and insects and everything. My daughter, she's three and a half. And we have that app, that Seek app on your phone. Uh, I think it's iNaturalist makes it. But she loves it because we use it to identify like plants and everything. But she loves finding out what bugs are. So there's a bug. I put it in the app and it tells you what it is. Yeah. At that age, children, if you think about it, Children are smaller than adults, closer to the ground, so they're they're closer to see. In, adults are way up here, so children are down in the ground and they find crawly things that are curious. 
Do you have fireflies where you are? Oh, yeah. She loves them. Yeah. So most people, like in the West, they don't see them. They don't know. They're magical. And um, that's what, like I said, that's what really started me. Wait, where are only, fireflies only like an East Coast thing? Um, they get to the South and the Midwest, but they're not on the West Coast. We have other things like glowworms and stuff, but people don't see them. It isn't like you're driving around. And I've heard that the populations are really diminishing. They're going down, not as many. So if you were in a movie, and if, if you were working on a movie that was like in the Pacific Northwest and they were like, we really want fireflies in a scene, would you be like, well, this movie's set in the Pacific Northwest. Fireflies aren't going to ever be here. Right, right. I have that problem with scorpions. Uh, you know, they want to they want to shoot a scene. Well, where 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 in the world are you shooting it, and where are you shooting it? So yeah, that, that makes a difference sometimes, um, and that's where I use my entomology knowledge. You know, and I can say, and sometimes they'll say, "Is this bug found in North Africa? Is this bug found in South America?" And um, uh, of course, most people don't know; they wouldn't know. But I I have access to that world, and I can find out. Yeah. So I would I would love to see one of those spiders. Now that you mentioned it before, I, I was now I can't get that out of my head. And do you still have any of your bugs are my business hats? Oh yes, I do. That's awesome. I know they're I know they're floating around. Um, I'd have to dig it out. Oh, you don't have to. I just thought that was but so cool when I thought about that. From Spider Man. Nice. I mean, not Spider Man. Arachnophobia. Oh, nice. That's cool that you had the wherewithal. I, I I wanted to mention that before, like to work on your first movie and remember, because sometimes when you're in the moment of things, you're like, so like, oh, this is so cool. I guess maybe because you were there for six months. So you could keep like the plastic grasshoppers that you had. But I, I talked to a lot of actors and I always ask them about like memorabilia and you've shown like so many things that you still have. There's so many actors that are like really... They get like sort of bummed out. They're like, ah, I never really thought about it. Like on my first movie. And then I finally started thinking about doing it. So it's cool that you did that from your first. Well, I, you just made me, I have about, I have about 60 bug shirts. So nice. I have a lot of insect shirts, but I, I, you just made me think of something. I, um, I have a, a really rare shirt. I want to go get it. Okay. And, um, I get one of my spiders. Yeah, I guess Zoom took away the 40-minute limit, so we're good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when you well, I think when you speak with one person. But for speak- a little bit, they changed that because they did oh. it for like a month, but I think people complain because I was in the middle of inter I interviewed somebody like two weeks before uh I was interviewing Stuart Pankin and Peter Jason, like back to back. And I read online, it was like oh, they they got rid of the 40-minute limit. And I was like, oh, I just did one two weeks ago. And then in the interview, it said you had 10 minutes left. So while he was talking, because I didn't want to be rude and be like, hey, I got to like do that. So I entered my credit card. Like I had to do it really like without him noticing. Luckily, a lot of things are already filled in because I used to have an account. So I'm just like clicking. But uh, no, I'm glad that it's working now. Let me get this shirt. This is this all right, is cool. Cool. I'm excited. 
So now you're going to see some, a little bit of memorabilia, and then we'll do the spider. So in the exit in arachnophobia, Frank Marshall had this tie made for me. Ah, oh, that's awesome. So good guy. So he gave that to me. That was really cool. It's a silk tie. Then in movies, in movies, when you work on a movie for a period of time, they usually have jackets or t-shirts or hats. So this is really a cool jacket from Prince of Darkness. Oh my God, you're gonna love this. So Peter Jason, who was in Prince of, I love that. He had that same jacket. He was at somewhere and there was a tennis player there that loved his jacket and he gave it to him. He gave him the jacket. Wow. And then this is super rare. God, I love that. This is a t-shirt from The Exorcist 2. Whoa! How do you have that after all these years? That's amazing. <laughs> if you saw my house, you, you wouldn't ask that question. Have you been in the same house for that long? Oh, no. I moved here in 94. But, oh, okay. Uh, uh, I uh, I have the accumulation gene I got from my parents. Oh, they they kept everything. Yeah. Yeah. So this is one of my tarantulas, Rosie, and uh, the tarantulas can live to be thirty years. Thirty so, years. Yeah, they can live a long time. Wow. And I used to be afraid of them. Now I love them. I've taught a lot of people to love them. How um, when were you afraid of them? Like as a kid? Uh, even into my late teens, when I'd go hiking, because I always spent time in nature, and I'd see a tarantula walking on the road, I didn't know what to do with it. Now, <laughs> now I now I handle them all the time. So, so I'll take Rosie out. What I do, what I'm going to do is when my hand goes in, I'm going to touch underneath her legs. That's how she smells. She smells with her feet. And then, uh, then she knows I'm not food and I'm not going to hurt her. So, so uh, I guess now she's touched the bottom of my legs and let's see if I can get her out of this container. So I'll put her on my shoulder. I don't know, because uh, I can't see my view. Now. No, you're, uh, I, I see it, yeah. So, so this is Rosie and um, Rosie, uh, to make her go, you. You push her back legs to make her stop. You cover her eyes. Oh my god! And they're really great to work with. They're, um, they're, you know, they don't. They only bite if for food, or if you try to pull off their leg or do something like that, squash them. But they're really quite benign, and like I say, they live a long time. What does Rosie eat? What's Rosie's uh, diet? Um, I feed Rosie, um, right now I have um, three different kinds of cockroach, cockroaches I keep in a, in a collection, and she eats cockroaches, she'll eat crickets, she'll eat anything small. Wow, that thing looks so cool. How much do they so, weigh? Uh, they don't weigh that much, but enough so that you, you what's, feel ama it. what's amazing is 
the reason they don't feel like they're that heavy is because uh, their weight is is spread out with eight legs. See how yeah. she's lifting her legs up? Hi, Rosie. <laughs> yeah, she's waving. <laughs> and then this is what people don't, they'll go, okay, so he has live spiders and, you know, that's, that's, um, we, we would expect something like that. But what they don't think about is I have a whole collection of rubbers, of rubber insects. So I have all these rubber insects for stand-ins. Yeah. So they're filming a scene, like I have a, a whole drawer of spiders. For lighting and everything, spiders, yeah. So that they match the spider. So when the spider, you know, they're setting up the lights and everything, and, and I don't want, my, I want my spider to do a certain action. And I know it generally works best the first time. So I don't want it just sitting there. Yeah. Well, I'll put a rubber spider there or a rubber whatever. I, uh, I had a friend do a job that I couldn't do where they needed a, a scorpion to walk towards somebody. And, oh, that was another movie I did. I did um, Roadhouse 66 and I did another one in New Mexico where they actually used my foot because uh, so oh, the scorpion it was about the movie is about this guy who tracks down this young couple so the young couple is trying to escape him and the guy keeps coming after him and coming after him uh i don't know if that's enough information that's not the david lynch movie you worked on right no oh, okay but um uh david lynch was 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 just great superb so a little story about david lynch david lynch is also he, besides making movies, he's also an artist and he's also composes music. And uh, I worked on the movie with him, The Lost Highway. Lost Highway. Yeah. So in Lost Highway, I worked with him, and they they had the screening. He used to. It was this is kind of an odd story. <laughs> he used to have an assistant that would run errands for him. You know, if he needed something, she would run errands for him, but she refused to drive on the freeway. So she'd have to come all the way from David Lynch's house to my house. And he was very interested. I don't even know what the project was, but he was very interested in flies. Well, I, I'm, uh, besides working as a professional, um, I've developed techniques for collecting flies. Like I collected 180,000 flies in my backyard one summer. I also have a fly powered airplane. So David Lynch would sometimes purchase flies from me, dead flies. <laughs> and uh, we were going to the screening of Lost Highway and um, I was dressed up, he was dressed up and um, I told him that I would bring him flies. So I put the flies in like a little brown sandwich bag. And we meet at the screening. We didn't say anything. He just smiled. I handed him the bag. <laughs> it was just one of those moments. How could you imagine that ever happening? That's amazing. <laughs> and he also wanted to shoot when we did um, the moth scene, um, 
there's a moth flying around the light. He wanted the sound and the sound guy was going to record it, but David said, no, I want to record it. So he and I went off in the corner and recorded that sound. Oh my God, that's awesome. So I, uh, I was hoping I'd get to go to his house. I, I never did. I got to work with Marlon Brando on an Italian telecommunication commercial with butterflies towards the end of his life. That was just, he, he has such an aura around him. Yeah. He was like the, he, he was the actor that really changed acting. Not saying nobody before that was there obviously was a lot of great actors, but he like transitioned film. Like the Godfather kind of changed everything. Yeah. Well, this was unfortunate because he was really way overweight. And in fact, so much so, like I said, I like to have my picture taken. They were having a crew picture taken. I just, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. His face was fabulous. And I got to work one-on-one with him with Butterfly, but he was um, too obese. Yeah. So I, this has been great. One question I have to ask, because you mentioned the tarantula and the girl with the, the big hills. Was yeah. there, what was like, was there ever a time that it was like very, very how to ask, but like, was there, like an odd thing that you were asked to do for a movie that was like really like difficult to do that somebody tasked you with hey steven i need you to do blank and you're like i don't know if that could well there there are a couple of things one is okay working with american humane so you can't harm any insect you work with a fly or a cockroach um even though if that fly you can't harm it on set if the fly flies over to craft service you can swat it, no problem. Uh. So, so, you know, and fish and insects used to be exempt. So I'm, I don't approve of that situation. I, my approach is, if you ask me personally, anything that the average person would do, they should be able to do on film. So if you take a can of bug spray and spray a cockroach, you should be able to do that on film. However, if you, you, People don't take butterflies and tear their wings off a live butterfly. So I don't think that should be done. Yeah. So, but whatever people normally do, they should be able to do on film. But they go ballistic with that stuff. I've had a lot of challenges. I think the hardest one that I did, because I've done some things that were pretty, I think, pretty incredible. They, in arachnophobia, they wanted a spider to crawl from four feet away into a slipper. I had no idea how to do that. If I said to you, I'm gonna pay you a bunch of money, which they didn't, to figure that out, you wouldn't know how to do it. No, I wouldn't even know where to start. So um, this is when I was doing research for the film. They gave me time to do research for the spiders. I figured out how to do it. Now you could put a quarter down anywhere on a, on a floor a flat floor, I could have a beetle or a cockroach or a spider from four feet away run over to that or get to that quarter. So you go, how do you do that? Because they can't see, they can't see four feet away. They can't smell four feet away. So you say, I'll lay down a scent trail. Can't smell that. Um, Although you could do that with a termite uh, or an ant. So how do you get a spider to do that? 
So it's really problem solving. And this is one of the things that, that working in Hollywood and being working as a scientist has helped me. How do you solve problems? So if you ask the same question over and over again, you get the same answer. But you have to learn to change the question. So I took it in steps. I said, how can I get the spider, just how to get the spider go from A to B? I said, if I had a wall, I can make a wall out of whatever you want to make it out of um, uh, so that it was slippery. The spider couldn't go left or right, and it would just have to go straight. But you're shooting this in front of a camera lens. So how can you hide a wall? And I thought about that. How do you make a wall disappear? Because I've changed the question, not how to get the spider there, but how do you make a wall disappear? Yeah. And who makes walls disappear? Magicians. How do magicians do it? They create an illusion. So I said, I'll create an illusion so you don't see it. So I said, and then I had some technical knowledge about how insects see, because insects don't see that well, but they do, but they do see light and dark. So they'll, um, they see movement, but they don't see images. So they couldn't read your t-shirt, uh, uh, but if you were moving your t-shirt, they could see that. So then I thought, of, I looked at my hand, I thought about how insects see, and I said, gee, if you look at your hand, you can see all your fingers. But if you just move it this slow, it will blur. So, you know, put your hand in front of your face and move it this slowly, they're blurring. Your eyes can see it, but your brain can't make it. So I said, I'll take two tiny wires thinner than my hair and I'll put them on little motors so they'll go up and down like this. And they're so small and it moves so fast, you can't see it. So I made this fence out of invisible wires and that's how the spider went to the slipper. Oh my God. I would say like, obviously you've worked on a ton of things. I know I don't have your, your full list, but just from what you've done in arachnophobia, because I think that movie just, I don't know, just to see that many actual spiders in so many of the scenes, one scene, Peter Jason, he talked about like just seeing him in the bathroom, like the bathroom scene when he, like that to him was like so unbelievable to see that happen. They see the spiders just crawl up the walls. Well, two things. One is, although my website, if you type in bugsaremybusiness.com in the URL, it will go to my website. Cool. You won't find it in a search engine. I have to get it up there again. So bugsaremybusiness.com, just the way it's spelled. And you can see a list of all the films, not cool. all the films, but a lot of the films I worked on. It, I did so much. We even had at one point, because I was figuring out how to put this live spiders on the wall. So at one point we heated, we made metal walls and heated the walls to make the spiders move. Uh, uh, we put uh, lemon pledge, got notoriety because <laughs> sprayed the walls with lemon pledge because the spiders couldn't hold on to the lemon pledge. So we could kind of corral them in certain areas. Yeah. There was a lot of that kind of research done. I had them tape up everything because the spiders live underneath bark. So we did, if they got on the floor, we didn't want them to get under anything. And so it was, uh, and there were assistants. I had um, two assistants to assist me and, and corralling and everything. So it was, uh, and I made these catchers out of red plastic. 
so that in the barn scene, when the spiders are coming out of the barn, we uh, had these low plastic catchers that were red plastic because when an insect goes up, they don't see red. So to them, it's black. So they'll go underneath red plastic and they'll stay there. So that's how we caught them. Oh, my God. But we could go on. And I mean, there's so much. Uh, so so one day, maybe I'll write a book. I don't know. Oh, you should. Man, Stephen, this has been great. I'm so happy the way we that you found me yeah. and uh, that we can connect just from way you're watching the scene in the movie, looking forward on YouTube and somehow finding us. And then you finding the email that we had, but uh, I'll make sure to put on the webs on my website and in the little intro that I do your website. So people can see all your credits and learn more about you. And uh, I got to get one of those bugs are my business hats. <laughs> I gotta um, find one. You no, know, uh, I'll email you a picture of it. But um, I, I was gonna say that that I will check out. I mean, I just found you by happenstance because I was watching Teen Wolf two, and then, yeah, and then and of course I wanted to hear more about um, reviews you've done of other sequels because there's a gold mine there, of course. I I want to ask you this question. Yeah. If you look at the original, how many originals compared to the sequels would you say the sequel is better than the original? Oh, it's like very rare. There's like rare, very rare instances. And then you have people that say like, oh, well, if it's already a planned sequel, like Empire Strikes Back over like A New Hope. But Aliens is definitely like, depends on what you like, what a person likes or Godfather 2 over godfather but there's a lot of movies that rival it that yeah, like but in general the first one is usually the best one. for the most part the only thing that that i personally love about sequels like the sequel formula has to be you can't do the first movie again or there'll never be a third one so something crazier has to happen like in jaws 2 jaws is like one of the greatest movies ever jaws 2 they turn this shark which sharks rarely eat people. I know right off of uh, in Long Island right now, people are getting bit like right, crazy right. over the last like few weeks, but rarely do they eat people. But in the second one, the shark is somehow related to the shark in the first one as like stalking its victims. Like it's a serial killer, like a Jason Voorhees, but no, they're fun. That's, that's what I love about uh, sequels that there's a lot of them. And sometimes they get crazy when they get, when they try to uh, bleed the bleed the well, yeah. I guess you know when they yeah. keep going and going with the same idea. Um, I just thought of another thing I did. I mean, we could talk forever because I love obviously I love this and I have lots of stories, but but there's always this problem solving thing. So in Leprechaun, I was two, those two, um, they had cockroaches. And they said, we're going to have some cockroaches. And I said, do you want them to be green? And they're actually green cockroaches, but we couldn't get, we wouldn't be able to get them in the US. But I said, so I painted some cockroaches green. So in that, they, that's how it became green. And then I should tell this story about James and the Giant Peach. And James and the Giant Peach, the, they said, well, we have this spider and this little boy's going to pick up the spider. I said, what kind of spider is it? And they showed me this picture, this animated spider 
that had a striped abdomen. And so I said, well, I can do that with a, with a real spider. So I, through my research, I found a friend who had just discovered dwarf tarantulas, small ones. I knew that they, they can make a plastic prosthesis with a little Velcro strap. So they painted one so it matched the animated spider. <laughs> so that's where, you know, my part of it wasn't scripted. It wasn't, that's where I add something to a movie yeah. that wouldn't have existed. No, because that's what it is as a movie watcher. If you watch a movie, I'd like uh, like nurses and doctors when they watch movies, I would say they would have to have a, like a heart attack because of some of the yeah. phrases that they say. Or yeah. I'm sure there's movies you've watched and there is supposed to be some bug expert and they're talking about something. You're like, that's not right. So that happens well, all the time. You know where where you saw a lot of that was in the 50s with all those atomic movies. Yeah, you get the entomologist, the so-called entomologist or biologist, and you just want to go. This guy, where they, where they get him out of a bar or something? <laughs> Did Julian Sands try to pick your brain at all? Because that's what his role was in the movie, right? Interactophobia. Um, what I did, my interactions with him, he was generally pretty quiet with me. John Goodman talked to me, and you know the other actors talked to me. Julian was kind of quiet and offset. But it was my job, whenever there was anything entomological or arachnological, it was my job to tell them, this is how they would do it. This okay. is how they would do it. Like, they don't know, you know, because they're not trained in that. They'll say, okay, so this is what you would do, you, you know. So um, you'd want to make sure you put the lid back on. You wouldn't just <laughs> leave it off, you know, yeah. things like that. Yeah. So and that you're you're right, Steve. I could probably talk to you for hours, but here's one thing I have to say is you really need to uh, write a book because, because you are the go-to. How many would you say when you were doing this in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, like how many other like you were there? Well, what happened is it's a matter of, there's nobody like me. There's no, oh, I know that. I know no, that. I mean, I'm just saying nobody has entomology background. Yeah. The movie background, but there's always the low budget guy. So oh, that was the one that I always, you know, that was my competition, the low budget guy. So if he's a dog and cat or a reptile trainer, you know, I, and I've gone in and actually there have been times where they hired somebody, but they also hired me. I did a commercial once where, where the dog and cat trainer, trainers came in with butterflies and they were the wrong butterflies. And I had the right butterfly, <laughs> but they paid for both of us. I did a commercial. This was one where I made a lot of money because I had to make a snail walk in a straight line in front of a computer. Well, you go, well, who could do that? Well, I figured out a way to do it. So, the, uh, and it was a Super Bowl commercial and I figured out how to make a snail go in a straight line. Uh, and that reminds me of another one I did where I did a commercial where they said, we're gonna have ants running all over except for one ant that's gonna run around the circle. And I figured out how to do that. Wow. So, so that's the, Part of the exciting part for me to work is to solve these problems. Now they'd all CGI it. It isn't as good. Oh, I, I know. For all that, like special effects and stuff, like practical stuff is the way to go. 
That's why I love 80s, 90s movies the most. Yeah. Well, I congratulate you on your work and um, and keep doing it. Uh, they'll keep making sequels. I hear they're going to be making a sequel for Arachnophobia. I'm not really? sure. Really? I'm not sure if it's in the works yet or not, but um, it'll probably, all the spiders will probably be animated. And I'm sure pa- they better get Pankin and uh, Peter Jason back in it because they, they were able to. <laughs> it, was, it was a. Uh, it, the people on it were just great. Who who played the lead in uh, Jeff Daniels? Jeff Daniels, really nice guy. And at one point, I was getting so much publicity. Jeff Daniels said to me, "You're getting more publicity than I am." <laughs> so um, yeah, if you go back into like the archives on the web on my website because it's easier, just like the sequelsonly.com where you like email me. Like uh-huh. that has it laid out. So there's photos and it's easier to find people, but you'll see a lot of familiar faces that I'm sure you've worked with or. Yeah. But, uh, I, 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 you know, there are some people who won't interview and won't do this, but, but I'm sure all the people you did great stories. No, oh, just, just yeah. Thing. I, I think I, I applaud you again. Thank you uh, for doing it. And thank you for the interview. And- oh, thank you, man. Yeah. This will be out a few months. Uh, I think we're going to do it. Just, I, I, sometimes it's, I never decide unless it's an actor or somebody that only worked on a few films, then it's like, I can only choose the sequel that they worked on. But I think just because like exorcist two is such a tusk, touchstone for your career i think like if you look at your career just for me from talking to you for 90 some odd minutes like it's like obviously exorcist 2 is the beginning the one that gave you like this idea like oh i could do this and then arachnophobia is the one obviously fright night 2 and all these other great moments along the way but then arachnophobia is like the one that like shot yeah you forward but Exorcist 2 that'd be fun because i haven't seen that in a long time and the cast is great. So uh, I think we're going to do that one. Okay. Well, take care. And- Have a great night, Stephen. Thank you yeah. so much. And I'll reach out before this comes out. And it'll sound amazing. And you can even like, with your website, you can embed the interview on there if you want. Or But I'll... I'll... Yeah, let me know all that stuff. Thanks, man. Okay. Have a great night. He was unreal. Steven was so cool. The fact that the wall of bugs that he had behind him and just how he did a lot of those, even like when he talked about being on Wonder Woman, the way he had that, what he called like the anteater, that uh, little vacuum cleaner, he was able to do so many things in the right way. David Lynch story and the flies and just an interesting guy. I love talking to him. I'm so happy he found us and I'm happy that he said yes to talking to me. So that was Steven. I'll put his website in the episode notes so you can check him out. So many movies that aren't even on his IMDb, like the Spider-Man story, the fact that he did that and what had to go into that working right because that was real, wild. So your homework, Exorcist 2, it was on Tubi for a while, it's not there anymore, but I'm sure you'll find there, you've seen it before, It's it'll be worth it, it should be fun. We have a guest, uh, Pete, we were on his podcast, Fan to Fan Podcast, earlier in the year discussing sequels, so it'd be fun to have him on to... Uh, discuss this sequel with us linda blair is back once again there's a lot of other people in this class so it'll be a lot of fun don't forget to review rate share our podcast follow us on all social media at sequels only and don't forget to check out our website sequels good night
Good night, guys.